أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إذ قال لأبيه وقومه ماذا تعبدون أئفكا آلهة دون الله تريدون فما ظنكم برب العالمين فنظر نظرة في النجوم فقال إني سقيم فتولوا عنه مدبرين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي فالحمد لله والصلاه والسلام على رسول الله وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين اما بعد once again everyone السلام عليكم ورحمه الله تعالى وبركاته ان شاء الله in last few days of ramadan let's try to make the most of them those of you that have been uh, lazy the rest of this month uh, stop being lazy spend some time recite some more quran just uh, don't think about what you've missed out on just think about what's left be positive. Start somewhere. Don't feel like, oh my God, how am I going to finish reciting the entire Quran in the next five days, how, how's, or three days, four days, whatever it is. Um, stop thinking about that. Just make the quality over quantity. Just think that way and just, inshallah, make the most of it. I pray all of us are able to take advantage of these beautiful days and beautiful nights. Okay, so we were talking about the passage uh, pertaining to Ibrahim alayhi salam in Surah Al-Safat. Uh, we got to the point where I was talking to you a little bit about when he came to his master with a sound heart and we talked about some of the things associated with that sound heart now he's going to turn to his uh, nation again and question them again and we've, saw, we've seen different flavors of that questioning we've seen how he put rhetorical questions before them um, we, we saw his rage also at one point right when he said that he's going to make a scheme against the idols when they didn't take him seriously now we're going to see yet another dimension he says, uh, Allah says, إِذْ قَالَ لِأَبِيهِ وَقَوْمِهِ مَادَ تَعْبُدُونَ When he said to his father and he said to his people, what is it that all of you people are worshipping? This is um, an istifham ala sabilil inkar. Uh, what this is in, in many languages, of course in English also, I, I would imagine probably in all languages, sometimes you ask a question, but it's a way of criticizing someone. So it's not really a question. Like you know when you see your kid making a mess, you're like, what are you doing? That actually doesn't mean that you're asking for a detailed explanation. Oh, actually, I was uh, taking the uh, stew and pouring it over on the carpet and wanted to see what kind of color range I can get as I spread it out with my hand. Like, that's not, you weren't asking for an explanation. You were saying, how dare you do this? What is wrong with you? Right? Um, actually, even that's a question. But the idea is sometimes you ask a question to be critical. You ask a question to make someone say, how could you do such a thing? Or what a terrible thing you're doing. Right, so questions aren't always questions. Uh, the thing is, some people think they're you know really smart and they ask critical questions. They those questions are meant to insinuate an insult. They're meant to be condescending. They're meant to make you feel stupid. Whatever the goal is, and then when you say, "What did you just say?" I'm just asking a question. You know, so you just hide behind the the rhetorical, just asking a question. But that, everybody knows that's not really a question, right? And you see a lot of that rhetorical usage in the language of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Previously, he said, you know, ask the big one, right? Ask the big one that they have. He, he was witness to all of it. He's an all-seeing God of yours, right? So he must have seen it. So go ask him. And what he's saying behind that is, you know, as well as I do, that's just a piece of, you know, metal or it's just a piece of wood. It's not going to do anything or it's just stone. 
So the same way here, when he says, Mada ta'budun, what is it that you're worshipping? Like, look at this, what are you doing? Like, he's not asking, what do you worship? Explain this to me. He's done that before. But this now is condescending. He's actually like, how? Seriously? What is it that you're engaged in this, this you know, devotion in front of? And, Aifkan alihatan dunallahi turidun. Is it these crooked deviations, gods other than Allah that you, you people want? Now the word ifk is really important here because it's one of the words in the Arabic language for lies. So, so kathib is a lie, right? And then ifk is also a lie, but there's a subtle difference. So ifk is actually literally a deviation. And when you're telling someone the truth and you mix just a little bit of falsehood in it, that would be called an ifk. And the thing about that is, when you when you do that, it continues and continues and continues until it departs a long way, deviates a far path away from the truth, right? So ifk is also used in case of slander. So for example, you know, you just throw something out there that's half true and you let somebody fill in the rest of the gaps with their imagination and they can create deviations from it. Like, oh, I saw those two together. Hmm. That's all you say. I saw those two together. Hmm. Now, you, what you're trying to insinuate is something is wrong with them two being together. Something is going on, and you let people fill in that imagination. That would be ifk. Like you just threw a pebble in, the, let the ripples, you know, spread the way they may. Right. So what Ibrahim alayhi is telling us is something really insightful about how mythologies of different gods get created. There may be some element of truth in them. Maybe they started off with the teachings of Nuh Maybe they started off with someone saying something good and then it turns into something else down the road. So, you know, especially in South Asia, you see this phenomenon quite a bit. You have people that were, you know, worshipped Allah, gave da'wah, you know, tried to tell people about Tawheed and things like that. And then they did what they could to bring, you know, an awareness of Allah in that society and then they died. And when they died, people acknowledged that these were good, righteous people, right? So they, you know, they, they wanted to kind of make a memorial of this person's passing that used to be a source of good advice. So they, you know, they put a marking on their grave or something. They put a flag on their grave or something. Some kind of way of just remembering them by. This is similar to what you find in Surah Al-Kahf. Right? The young people of the cave were discovered. It was a miracle of God. So they wanted to remember that, so they wanted to build a masjid over it as a monument, as a memory to Allah's miracle. So people would do that with, you know, good people in the past. They would just kind of put a memory, a marker on their grave, something to just remember them by. And that just perhaps passing by would remind them of the good advice they used to give, etc. But the next generation comes and says, my, my dad, he used to stop by this grave all the time. And I saw him do uh, uh, some kind of prayer when he would stop by. Maybe the dad was passing by just making dua for the person who passed and then he would go, right? But the kid looks at that and says, yeah, I think this grave is special. I'm going to make my kids come here and to, to pray. Because apparently if you pass by here and pray, it's got a special meaning. Before you know it, in a couple of gener generations, there's an entire like temple built around that grave. People are coming here to pray for getting twins or to get their motorcycle transmission fixed, or whatever whatever issue you got, you just go there and you pray, and then people sit around there and say, yeah, I know how, to, how the prayer here works, give me like a $5 entrance fee, and then I'll get your prayer answered, and 
it creates an entire industry of shirk. But started with some small thing, and it deviates and deviates and deviates, and before you know it, it's an entire alternative religion, right? Entire shrines, entire mythologies get created from it. The same way, it was interesting, the pharaohs, um, something something remarkable about them, people, they believe themselves to be God. Like Quran describes, for example, Pharaoh used to say, مَا عَلِمْتُ لَكُمْ مِنْ إِلَهٍ غَيْرِ But they know they're not gods. They're just, you know, old men that have, that, that lean on a cane. فَتَوَلَّا بِرُكْنِهِ Like, they're just old men. But you know what they would do? When, they, when there would be a battle somewhere and they won, right? Some, some skirmish and they won. You know, there's something called propaganda in the media, right? So what they would do is, they would, uh, they would tell their historians to write the record of the battle, but write it like this, that the king stepped in and he ch- picked up his sword and he swung his sword once and a thousand soldiers all died at once. And they're putting this in the official record, right? And then that's being put, put on like hieroglyphics on walls and it's being taught to kids. And they're now, they're creating a deity because this will help promote the unquestioned authority of the king. Right, so it starts with an actual battle that happened, and then you just kind of turn it into something else. Ibrahim salam sees this, this, this way that people are turned into sheep, down, you know, uh, with the passage of time. So he questions it with the word if, if can Ali Allahi turidun. Is it these deviations? These are the god. These gods, all they are in the end are just these deviations. That's all they are, other than actual Allah. Is it that? Is is it this that you all want? Then literal translation, what are your thoughts? What you know, what is your thinking? What is your conviction about the master, the actual master of all people and all nations? That what is what is your thinking is also a rhetorical question. What do you even think about Allah? Do you even think? Like, where's your where's your where's your brain? Like he's so angry in, in the way he says, and he's in his frustration. It's remarkable. Allah captures his frustration in the Quran. He says, He just looked up at the sky. He just stared into the stars. I mean, the closest thing to this in the Quran is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa When the qibla was changed, Allah said, We saw your face turning towards the sky. Right? And the only other figure that I can see in the Quran that Allah describes them turning, just staring into the sky, staring into the stars, is Ibrahim alayhi salam. So I wanted to read something to you about this phrase that he, he just started staring into the sky. The ancient Arabs, when they talked about someone who's lost in thought, who's thinking deeply, they would say he's looking into the stars. Um, yani, like he's just looking at this guy. How are these people so lost? How are they so distracted? What is it? You know, when a person is just like so frustrated, they just look up. That's the capture that Allah has given us in this ayah. That a, that a, it's a really religious phone. Okay, so so the 
So he would, a person would look up into the sky because they don't want to look at anything around them and be, be undistracted and just stare into the sky and look for an answer. Other scholars noted that he didn't say He said There's a tamar buta on nadratan. This is called the mastar marra Something that happens one time So it is as if he had a particular thought When he looked into the sky And from it some others have extrapolated That it is actually when he looked into the sky That Allah guided him to take a certain course of action Allah revealed to him to take certain steps And you know, uh, Ibn Ashur is actually correct to point out that this is not something spelled out that Allah revealed to him, do this, 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 because it's obvious. So, you know, uh, Like Quran and Sunnah don't say Allah revealed to him, now tell the people this, 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 and go break their idols, because you don't have to say it. Allah said, it's enough when he just looked into the sky. Elsewhere Allah said, you know, that Ibrahim was given the guidance on what to do much before. So it's as if when he looked towards the sky, Allah just gave him a solution. And what, what is that solution? Now watch. Therefore, after looking into the sky, he, he looks down, he looks around at the people and says, I'm feeling sick. I'm feeling sick. I'm, I no doubt I'm sick. I'm not doing well. Now this has a duality in meaning. Obviously, if you if you talk to someone and say, I'm feeling sick, they're going to think you have a stomach ache, you have a headache, you're, you have a fever, whatever, right? But he's not just talking about being sick physically. He's sick of the shirk that's happening around him. He's spiritually feeling disgusting from the environment that's around him, the, the, the worship of false gods. Let me just give you an idea of uh, you know this feeling. Uh, I've had an opportunity to go to different kinds of religious temples in the past. Right, just to visit, to, to talk to people, etc. Right, and I can tell you, even though I go there for you know good conversation, etc., when I'm around the idols and whatever, there's a feeling, there's a darkness that just takes over it. Like, you just got to get away, you just you can't wait to get away. Like, there's shirk in the air, it's like you're inhaling it, and you could you can feel it. And you know, if you if you talk to Friends that are that used to be Christian, right? And then they found Tawheed, they found Allah. When they go back to a church and they just look at a statue of Mary or they look at a statue of Jesus, if they walk back into a Catholic church, you, you could you could, you can they, they'll testify to this that there's this sickness that they feel. They just want to get away from this thing, this scene. You know, Ibrahim salam is actually expressing a spiritual discomfort with this environment. But actually, how are they processing that? Oh, he's sick. Why is that important? Because they're about to go to their Eid, their festival, where they're all going to celebrate whatever. And he's sick, so he can't go, so he's got an excuse. Right? So him saying he's sick works both ways. So he says, inni saqim. No, 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 it's, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely sick. So inna is also, you know, it's, it's uh, for al-mutaraddid fil-hukum. So what that means is, the word inna is used when somebody, you're talking to somebody who's not sure. As if the people came to him and said, hey, are you doing okay? What's, what's going on? And then he says, Inni saqim. He doesn't just say, Ana saqim. He says, Inni saqim. So this, this Inna is actually fil meaning the one listening to you is unsure what's going on with you. So it's as if his discomfort actually looked like physical discomfort. That's what it looked like after he was done contemplating into the sky. And so he says, he says Inni saqim, فَتَوَلَّوْا عَنْهُمْ مُدْبِرِينَ So they turned their backs from him. 
and they, they left him alone, meaning they went to their party, they went to their festival. And now he's by himself in the holy temple, you know, and it's just him and these gods. And there's a scene of just him and these, these false gods, right? And so he rushed towards their gods. Now you would think he's sick, he wants to get away from that place. No, he rushed back into the temple, this grand temple, these statues are all standing there, and it's just him and them. Now we know in the previous account of the story, it was more brief, right? He just smashed them, right? But now watch. You're, you're not going to eat? Aren't you, aren't you going to eat? Because people come and they put, you know, food and you know, candles and incense in front of you and they sacrifice animals before you and they put whatever they got, they got a Kit Kat, they got a Snickers, whatever they got, they put in front of you and they even take the wrapper off so you could, you know, and they, you're, not, you're, not, you're not eating any of it? You're not eating any of it? This in Surah Al-Hajj, which again, interestingly, Hajj goes back to who? Ibrahim alayhi salam. In Surah Al-Hajj, at the end, Allah mentions Ibrahim alayhi salam and he mentions something remarkable about this notion. When, when people worship idols in different you know, uh, parts of the world, there's this weird ritual of putting food in front of the idol or dedicating food or flowers or whatever in front of the idol, right? And if you went to the temple, first of all, you got to climb up a thousand steps to get to the top, right? So you're exhausted and you're, you're hungry. And then you see a Snickers bar just looking at you like, hey, this is, you know, but if you try to touch the, the bar, what, what, what are the temple monks going to do? <laughs> It's for you know, it's for the big, smiling golden guy, right? That it's not for you. And then what happens? Allah says, you know, those who you call other than Allah, they couldn't create a single fly, even if they all got together for that purpose to create a single fly. And if the fly was to take something away from them, they couldn't take it back from it, right? So what happens in the temple? The temple, these guys are worshipping, they're doing whatever, they're, they're doing their dance, they got their candles lit up, and a, and, a, and a sacrilegious fly shows up. You know, this blasphemous fly shows up and sits right on top of the chocolate milk that was left for the, the great god of, of, you know, thunder or war or whatever. And it takes a few sips and flies off. Are there any consequences for that fly? Can they capture it back? Should the entire congregation of the temple go after that fly to recover, you know, recover the sacred sip of chocolate milk that was, you know, stolen from this god? Like the, the the foundations of their their false doctrine are destroyed by a little fly in front of their eyes, right? And so that is later on in Surah Al-Hajj. Here, what does Allah do? Allah just says, uh, Ibrahim alayhi looked at them and says, "So you're not going to eat? Allah taqulun." Yeah, you know, so it's this, it's this rage. What's wrong with you? You can't talk? I mean, I'm here asking you questions. I'm being pretty blasphemous. You can't eat. Or you can't talk either. Then he rushed to strike them with his right hand. What this could also mean is he slapped one of the idols. It could also mean that he took the axe and went to town, but it's apparently it starts with just a like a stupid idol. Like he just he did this thing. So this is the scene that Allah wanted to capture in the Quran. But I wonder when you know what Allah puts inside the Quran for us, 
Why is he putting this here? There's clearly a passionate detest for false gods in the, in the psyche of Ibrahim right? He has this disgust for false gods. And at the same time, he has this love for all people. We saw that in the beginning of the story, right? Like the story is, is, is connected. And we, we saw previously also in the, in the last portion, in his later age, he was pleading for the people of Lut. Right? So there's two kind of, there's a love and there's a hate at the same time. There's a hate for falsehood. It's an absolute despised, uncompromising, offensive hate for falsehood. And then there is this incredibly soft, you know, corner for people. Right? So this is actually the dichotomy the Muslim has to develop. And we easily fall in one of two extremes. One extreme is we hate falsehood so much, we hate everybody who has falsehood. We hate the, the uh, batal and the, the mubtilun. We hate both of them. We hate kufar and the kufar. We hate shirk and the mushrikun. Burn them all. Right? On the other, the other extreme becomes what? Oh, they're human. They're just like us. They're... You know, Allah created them too. We should have mercy on them. We should be courteous to them. And in our love and courtesy for them, we should also have courtesy for their shirk. We should have kindness towards their kufr also, towards their fahsha also. We should go easy on the, the, the evil ideas. No, I can actually be respectful to a human being while having no regard for their beliefs. Like I, I absolutely believe you're to be completely wrong and an offense to God himself. Right, and at the same time, be be merciful towards them. This is the perfect dichotomy demonstrated by Rasulullah himself, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He carries the legacy of Ibrahim alaihissalam so incredibly beautifully. I refer back to it all the time. On the one hand, he's invited the Christians of Najran to stay in Masjid Nabawi, and they're praying to their Christian God in Allah in, in Masjid Nabawi, and yet the, some of the toughest ayat dealing with their creed were revealed at the time to engage them in debate. Because when it comes to engagement in the, the, the contest of ideas, of truth, then there's no courtesy. The truth is not supposed to be kind. The truth is the truth. What's wrong is wrong. What's right is right. What's kufr is kufr. What's shirk is shirk. There's no way around it. And if, there, if Allah is angry at something, you should know Allah is angry at that. I can't, I can't coddle your feelings and then make the word of Allah more fluffy for you so you could feel better about yourself. No, that's... I can make you feel better, I can be more hospitable, I can be more kind, but I can't compromise Allah's words in that process. Right? So he's got this, he, Allah has really uh, emphasized, really brought home those two concepts together. The, 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 the aggressive stance the believer has towards falsehood, and yet the concern the believer has for all of humanity. Kuntum khayra ummatin it's actually remarkable All of those things come together in that ayah of Ali Imran too You're the best of people That have been brought out for the service of humanity So we're supposed to be there for humanity At the same time You're commanding, enjoining, advising to that which is good And you're stopping against that which is evil And you're doing so for the benefit of humanity while having your faith in Allah. 
May Allah not make us afraid of the people and compromise what we believe. And at the same time, may Allah not allow our rage towards people, towards ideas, be falsely turned into rage against people. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Quran al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikr